Hey listeners, welcome to this special encore presentation of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast. You know, there's just something important and special about worshiping with kids. It's something that many of us incorporate into our ministries, but not all of us, and maybe not in a way that's as effective as it could be. As we get ready to reopen our ministries this summer and this fall, I wanted to take the opportunity to revisit this episode where I sat down for a conversation with Jonathan and Emily Martin to talk about worship with kids. Enjoy this encore presentation of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast. Hey listeners, welcome to another episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast. I'm your host, Chuck Peters, and we are so glad to have you today because we are going to talk about something that is fun. Not just fun, but really important. So we're talking about the importance of worship with our kids and how we might lead them there. As kids leaders, we often think about what we're teaching, and we put a lot of emphasis on on the content that we'll present and on training the volunteers that we lead. Uh, And that's all very important. And what we teach matters a lot. But we also need to be leading kids not just to fill their brains with knowledge and information, but towards heart transformation. And so much of how we express that heart transformation comes through leading them into worship. And so today we have friends, Jonathan and Emily Martin. Hey, guys. Hello. And we are going to be talking together about worship. Now, you guys have done quite a lot with us, with LifeWay Kids through the years. Leading worship at Centric Kid is always a highlight. That's right. Yep. Last five years, I think. This will be our sixth year coming up leading for Century Kid Camps. We love it. We bring our kids and we move in and hunker down. Yeah. And your family has grown over those last few years too, right? Yes. Adding more kids. Well, (laughs) now we have two. We've got two. We've got a six-year-old boy and a two-year-old girl. And it is so fun to have you guys as part of our camp culture. Uh, We see you at training week as you help uh, lead and prepare other worship leaders who will serve at camp, um, and then having you guys serve. And it's it's fun because you've spent entire summers with Centric Kid. Yes. You're in for the long haul. We, we are, are in. We call, we tend to uh, lead worship at Campbellsville University, and we call Campbellsville now our summer home because we move into a dorm there. And <laughs> We're so fancy. There. So are you gonna be, will you be back at Campbellsville this year, this summer? Yep, we'll be there all summer. All right, I am going to camp pastor there this summer. And so we will be a team for the first time together. That'll be awesome. I can't wait. All right. Now I'm really excited about camp. Let's do that. We'll do an episode on that later. So let's 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 get to know you guys a little bit. So one of the things we like to do on the podcast, since we're talking about, you know, leading kids into kids ministry leaders, we like to know sometimes a little bit about little you. So when you were little, did you have a thing that you collected or something that was like a cherished uh, uh, item from your childhood that was just like a really special thing to you? Who wants to go first? Emily? Okay, what do you got? Beanie babies. I had probably Beanie babies. I think I I remember those. Allowance I had to buy one for a few years. (laughs) How many do you think you had all in? Definitely. I was close to 300, somewhere around there. And do you still have them? I have a select few. Oh, so you've weeded out the Beanie Babies. I just, I, I really wondered if they would maybe sell for something eventually. <laughs> they didn't really. And then the other ones, I just thought, what are the basic animals my kids need to know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I kept them. All right, so I was going to say, how did you decide which ones to keep? Was there like a process you went through of your favorites or what did you, how did you decide? I had a few favorites, but I kind of just stuck with your, you know, made sure I had my, my animal basics, my cat, my dog, my pig. 
my rooster. Yeah. So now I just use it to teach June her animals. Nice. All right, Jonathan, what was your thing? You know, I was thinking about it and I don't know that I've ever really been much of a collector because I've kind of always been more of like an experiences guy. So my things were always more like jumping on the trampoline for hours at a time. And um, in fact, I'm so much not a collector that even as an adult, I think Emily gets annoyed with me because I'll buy like paint by numbers and stuff and then throw them away as soon as I'm done or puzzles or (laughs) I've just never been a collector. So you're the opposite of a hoarder. I'm sorry. So you're the opposite of a hoarder. Yes. yes. <laughs> so does Emily, does that mean he goes around the house and throws things away? Um, you know, he I've yeah. Been known to. He has been known to do that. <laughs> I think he has uh he has responded to my anger and he doesn't do that as much anymore. <laughs> but I can't stand it when he spin he'll spend just hours and hours working on a paint by number and this beautiful thing. I'm like, we should put it in a frame or something. And he's like, and no, I find it in the trash. Throw can. it to the side. That's funny. But okay, but Jonathan, but you said you collect experiences. Yeah. I would say that's probably what I collect most. So it's all it's all in your it's in your brain. Yeah, that's right. No memories. Now do you keep like pictures of things? Like do you like to have like photos of those experiences to re- recollect them? I've started to as I've gotten older. It wasn't really something I did as I was younger, but more and more pictures are a big thing for me. Because eventually, sure. like in my experience, eventually the brain gets too full. Usually That's of like, right. you know, sitcom sitcom uh, jokes and song lyrics. And then when your head is full of all that stuff, you don't have room for your own memories. That's right. Yeah. All right. Well, we're, you guys have, have a heart and a passion for worship. And so that's how I know you. I think of you, when I think of worship, I think it's synonymous with you guys and your family. And so that's, that's, I hope that's a compliment to you. It's meant to be. And, totally. and also a heart for kids. You guys just have a love for kids and kids ministry. And so when I thought about, you know, how can we discuss or uh, this, um, the, 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 uh, the importance of worship within our kids ministries, the two of you came to mind right away. And I wanted to be able to introduce you to our listening audience. Many of them know you from camp or from our VBS preview events or other places that they cross your path. But I wanted them to get to hear your heart uh, as we talk a bit about worship. So Let's set this up a little bit. Why is work, just in general, not just for kids, but why is worship such an important part of our faith? I think worship is a huge part of our faith because, oh man, there's so many things. um, But um, worship, I think at the end of the day, is um, something that God has called us to do. First and foremost, um, he desires our worship, but also worship is really at its root about our enjoyment in God and our delight in him and our ability to express our love to God and, um, yeah, our enjoyment to him and, uh, continuing to remind ourselves not only of truth, but just of how much we treasure and value who God is in our life and what he's done in our lives. Jonathan has this really funny story. He always tells about a milkshake that we love to tell to kids. Would you share that? Yeah. So whenever we leave for worship for kids, um, I, you know, I tend to just try try to have a teaching moment of just, you know, we do this thing called worship, but just wanting them to get a a smaller picture or a bigger picture of of what we're doing through a, through a small, um, just example of, uh, I love milkshakes. And so I got a milkshake one day and took a sip um, of it and was just blown away by it. And so obviously when I was with Emily and I had this milkshake, my first thing to do was just exclaim about the glory of this milkshake (laughs) and just how awesome it was. 
Um, and um, I think C.S. Lewis just talks a lot about why we do those kinds of things, why we feel the need to express about things we enjoy. And he says it's because when we express about things that we enjoy, it helps us kind of complete our enjoyment in that thing. And so mm-hmm. um, when we lead worship at camps, a lot of times that's what we think about is um, our job is to take these things that God, that these kids have been learning about God throughout the week, um, throughout their days, and giving them a chance to reflect on it and giving them a chance to even express their enjoyment in this God, in this great God that they've been learning about um, throughout the week. And um, I think really the same applies in all areas of worship that we lead in, um, just seeing our role as one that helps kids now express their um, joy in God and their delight in uh, who he is. And that's something that we need to model for kids and something that we need to give them opportunity to experience and express. So I did want to ask chocolate, vanilla, or strawberry, Jonathan, what was the Ooh, I'm, I would probably say strawberry, but yeah, I've been going towards choice. vanilla these days, man. Have you really? I don't know. Mm, Emily, flavor? Chocolate. Chocolate. I'm a strawberry guy. I'll go with you. Trey, do you have a favorite? That's chocolate. Tro- wow, we got two chocolates and two strawberries and maybe a vanilla in there. Yeah. Well, me and Emily are both nine. So yeah. <laughs> we are very similar. Jonathan, do you, what's your Enneagram number? Oh, man, I'm a seven all the oh, way. Oh, yeah, baby. Me too. I knew, yes, that. I knew it. How That's why he collects that? experiences. Yeah. Here, yeah, because really what matters is not what you're doing now, but what you could be doing instead. Right. Right. So <laughs> I'm really enjoying this podcast right now, but I'm thinking about lunch, too. So maybe a milkshake is in store. Okay, so let's come back to worship. I'm going to get out of seven mode. We need so we need a three on the podcast, so I'm to keep us in line. So, okay, right? so t- let's talk about worshiping kids. Why is it so important that we model and that we give opportunity for children to worship? I think something just leading for, for Centricate Camps that was unique for us, it really taught us the value of this. When when we joined Center Kid for the first time, we actually, our son was two and we didn't have a whole lot of experience leading for kids. And I think the thing that really struck me as a young parent um, and just being invited into this environment of worshiping with kids, uh, as we were looking at the room and worshiping with them and leading them, um, we just both really noticed this this interaction that was happening where the kids are watching us on stage as the leaders. They're taking cues from us and the other adults around them from to figure out what does it mean to worship? What does it look like to worship? What things do we sing about? Um, it's foundational for them figuring out how to express their enjoyment in God. Mm-hmm. And um, that just instantly just caught our hearts. And um, as we've moved into our kids growing up, uh, it's it's been foundational for us as parents to think about how to model worship, um, not just on stage, but also in our home. Hmm. So worship can take on different, um, different facets, right? There's, there's celebratory worship and there's also more reflective types of worship. When we're working with a group of kids, it can be easier to, to be the high energy, hypey kind of everybody jump around sort of worship, but there's also a balance we need to maintain, I would imagine, uh, so could you talk a little bit about when you are leading worship and you're choosing songs, you're trying to build that experience, how do you two approach that? What's your thought process that might help us as we seek to program some times of worship into our kids' ministries? Yeah. I just, I have to say real fast um, about that. One of the things we love about kids worship is 
the hype element of kids worship. And one thing that I feel like even adults could learn from kids because we've been looking at Psalm 150 and just how God calls us to worship him loudly and just grab instruments and just bang on them and praise to God. And I think it's a wonderful part of kids worship that should be kept and should be honored and should be seen not as just a way to entertain kids, but as a way of obeying God's command to worship him loudly Mm -hmm. and with abandon. And, um, and so we love that, but I think, you know, we serve a God who not only wants our celebration praise of him, but who's also holy and mighty and big, and we should feel humbled in his presence. And we have a God who sees our sin and forgives us and, um, has grace towards us. And all of these things should not only cause us to celebrate and jump for joy, there's moments for that, but also, um, cause us to kind of bow in reverence and, and, as to who this God is. So I think it, it is just really important to, to maintain a balance because in everything we're doing with kids, especially um, it's teaching them about who God is and how we model, how we interact with God and how we um, kind of direct our worship to him. Did mm-hmm. you have some thoughts? Yeah, I, I love where you went on that. I A book that I've read recently um, that I've really loved is called Holy Roar mm-hmm. and it's co-authored by Chris Tomlin and Darren Whitehead, Whitehead, mm-hmm. uh, the pastor of um, Church of the City here in Nashville. Um, and I love that book because it's really fueled my heart uh, in leading for any age uh, because they unpack in that book the seven meanings of the word praise used mm-hmm. largely in the Psalms um, and unpacking with each of the different uh, meanings or different um for the word praise that we find in the Psalms, depending on the context, it might be loud praise or it might be bowing low or it might be um, a, a reverent thing or lifting your hands high. Um, and there, there are different postures of praise and different um, ways that we praise God in response to every way that he reveals himself to us. And so I think whether we're leading for adults or for kids, there should be a a blending of, of the different responses to God. Um, and I think so often we save the hype for kids mm-hmm. only. And then as adults, we tend to stand back and watch the kids and go, Oh, this is, a, this isn't how kids worship God. Mm-hmm. And then the kids look at the adults and think, Oh, the adults are boring. And they just stand there with their heads bowed yeah, yeah. instead of uh, creating a culture with both adults and kids to go, Hey, how is God revealing himself in his word? How is that moving in our heart? How should we respond? What does that look like in this particular instance mm-hmm. and doing that together and, and showing kids how to do that as adults, whether we are in the congregation with them or on stage leading. I assume you guys would advocate that worship should be a regular and recurring part of our kids ministry. How do you guys recommend, where, where does that fit in a kids ministry program? Mm. <clears throat> Personally, I love bookending teaching with worship, like on both sides. I think worship is, God's given us this gift of music um, to lead our hearts, um, to engage our hearts with our minds. And I think just kind of, it, it's, it's, I, I don't want to call it a warm up because it's not like just the appetizer, but it's a way to to get us engaged, um, to get us in the pocket, so to speak, as we're getting our hearts and minds prepared to receive from God's word. Um, and so I think it's wonderful to start out our times of worship, getting everybody's bodies moving, getting our, our eyes fixed on truth through the gift that is music um, before the message. And then having at least a song after the message to respond to the yeah. revelation that we've seen in God's word together um, just gives 
kids a way to, whether it's through an activity or an activity through a song, to respond to what they've heard and to take that home with them. Hmm. Okay, so you you guys are obviously, you're musicians, you are performers, you're, you're songwriters, and you're incredibly talented. Many people who are leading kids ministry are not. And so for those who are, you know, just normal people, how can we facilitate a meaningful time of worship if we're not musically inclined ourselves? Yes. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I feel like we're in Nashville. And so we're used to this culture of like everybody playing their own instruments. But that's not normal. <laughs> one of my jokes everywhere. is one of my and... jokes is I so I used to play I used to play drums with at our church in California. And when I came to Nashville, I realized I am not a musician. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the beautiful and it's it's kind of like a bittersweet thing about Nashville. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but but it, it does emphasize the point, right? There's different levels yeah. of ability, but it's, right. really, it's not so much about ability. Is that right? I don't. Yeah. And I think in today's world where there's all kinds of resources and um, there's even things like YouTube and um tracks and all kinds of stuff the internet really makes it really handy to where if you're not musically inclined there are still resources available mm -hmm. in order to kind of facilitate worship and worship the kids and one of the great things about kids is i mean i, I think at least most of the time they're not nearly as uh, critical i guess as maybe even adults would be um so i think they're a little more happy with whatever you can bring to the table. And I think most of all, God is just pleased and honored when we give what we can. And when we try to try, just try our best to facilitate what we can. Um, I think he's pleased with that. And I think he also even helps provide for those things as we seek mm -hmm. to honor him with what we have. And I think it really has to do with what your goals are. Um, if your goal, because we're in an age where every church has a CD and everything is super high quality, so it seems, at least on social media, I think sometimes leaders can think, oh, the goal is I need to have a great band. And I would say the goal is to get kids singing yeah. because the goal of worship through song, um, my one of my favorite quotes, I think a lot of people say it, but I've read Spurgeon say it is that music is portable theology. And yes. I would say the goal for leaders is to think whether we're playing a video or whether someone's playing a song up there, the goal is not to have the best performance of the song. The goal is to help the kids remember the song, to help them engage with it and see that adults are engaging too, so that they can take the theology that's in that song and, and commit it to their hearts and take it home with them and into their lives. We see so much of that truth in our VBS music. So we know, right? And so, and so all of the resources that we create as Lifeway Kids include a worship component. And we have partners like you guys who write and create original music that goes along with the Gospel Project and Explore the Bible and Bible Studies for Life Kids. And so we provide music and tracks and, and, uh, and even, you know, motion videos that go with that music. And it's often in the kit, but many churches may or may not choose to use that or they're using it to different effect. And so I hear you saying, even if what you're doing is taking that CD or taking that DVD and you're popping that in, it's, it's more about the heart than it is about the performance. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that empowers parents. Like even if that's all that happens at church for parents to be able to go home and say, Hey, worship in my home can be turning this song on, on my iPhone mm -hmm. um, to just continue that worship when they come home from church. I mentioned earlier how, you know, and, and I think many people, you know, so I'm an Xer, And so I kind of have my head is full of eighties music and lyrics. Right. And so that, but the, there's something sticky about music that makes those lyrics 
stay with you more than listening to a speech or more than listening to a lesson. We remember things when they're set to music. And so that and that is one of those things that we get from VBS every year, right? Is the songs are so catchy and from camp, you get the earworm songs that that I have multiple, you know, ABC songs that are in my head that I can spit out right now. And so to give our kids the gift of, like you had said, Spurgeon said, of putting theology into lyrics is something that really can help that the that whatever our teaching is be reinforced to stick with our kids. Absolutely. Yeah, we uh, we could talk about that forever, but basically we think songs are our weapons in the fight for faith. Um, mm. They help us um, remember the truth and they help us stand up against hard times and persecution. Um, that's just been documented even on the mission field more and more that um, different missionaries have gone into different cultures and they're able to have songs of faith that resonate in their hearts. Those people are able to stand up against persecution and who knows what's coming down the pike for these kids. So giving them songs of faith that they can hold on to and remember the truth, I think is mission critical to um, just continuing to disciple our kids. And so we can do that even with the littlest of children, right? I think of singing simple songs to in, in the preschool space or even in the baby space how those simple songs, the Jesus Love Me's and things like that, really teach us uh, to remember those important concepts in a way that sets, sets kids up to be ready for, for these more meaningful theological you know, songs as they get older. Absolutely. We um, have little times with our kids where we read the Bible and do some things. And we have a, she's a, not even a two-year-old yet, um, who you know is yelling and crying and being silly and barely hanging on to anything we're doing. We're trying to struggle to get past things with her and, and press on and reading the Bible. But as soon as we start singing songs, even at, you know, 19, 20 months, she's right there ready to jump in and just so excited um, to, to kind of participate in the music is, is the first thing that she's latching onto. And I would say it's probably the same for most kids. And there's something about music that I feel like we own on a heart level that's really unique. I've, I've noticed um, in parenting, I know that we are musical, but even families that aren't musical because songs are so easy to understand and, and kids kind of feel like the songs are their songs. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many times I've been in conversations with our son, Judah, who's six, um, where I could explain something to him, but sometimes I'll end up recalling a song that he already knows and loves that mm -hmm. has his heart. Yeah. And he like figures out the heart issue or the problem on his own by the message that's already planted in that song that he already loves and has committed to memory. Um, yeah, they have been weapons in so many, so many fights for faith already. So we need to equip our kids with those weapons for the faith. I think of uh, in my Bible reading right now, I'm in Acts, and I just got through the passage where Paul and Silas are in prison, and they're singing at midnight when God breaks the walls down and breaks their chains and sets them free. And that um, the the just that experience of worship that they must have had happening right there. That was not lost on me, the power of that, as we were getting ready to have this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, praising God is a powerful thing. Um, not only is it honor and glorify God, but it's good for our hearts and it's good for us mm -hmm. to remember who is in control and who rules and who reigns. And it just sets our eyes on Jesus um, in, in just really powerful ways. It moves not only our minds, but it oftentimes music moves our hearts. I mean, God really wants both. So I think it's a powerful thing. 
A good word. Jonathan and Emily Martin, thank you guys so much for being on the podcast. We so appreciate your friendship to us. Thank you for thank having us. Thank you for having us, Chuck. It is our Trey. pleasure. And we will have you back again sometime soon. Listeners, I want to invite you to get to know the Martins. So come to our VBS preview events and look for them there. And if you're going to be at Century Kid Camp, especially at Campbellsville University, look for them. Come and check that out. Guys, is there another place that our listeners can connect with you to find out more about your ministry? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we have a ministry when we're not helping with events at Lifeway um, called The Word in Worship. Um, it's our full-time ministry as a family. Emily and I are worship leaders and songwriters who just love God's Word and believe it's beautiful, powerful, life-giving, and helpful. And so the best place to find us is just thewordinworship.com. And uh, we would love to, to have you come and um, say hi to us over there. Sounds great. And so, Trey, we'll have you put that link in the show notes at kidsministry101.com. Listeners, we invite you to come to kidsministry101.com, the home of our podcast and blog. And you can find more information there about the Martins and find also our full archive of other podcast episodes that may be of interest to you. Um, Jonathan and Emily, thank you again for being with us. Listeners, thank you for listening. And we hope you join us again soon for another episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast.